Good evening, everyone. Good evening and welcome back to church. Um, an especially warm welcome to you if you're here for the first time. Welcome. Um, being able to gather corporately like this is such a blessing. And as we do, uh, we worship God, the one who draws us together so that we can gather. We're reminded that He works in us through His Spirit. We glorify and honor Jesus Christ because through His death and His resurrection, we are saved. So to start our service, let's stand and sing unto Him, and I will pray to open this time. God in heaven, you are the reason we gather. By your grace, we gather. With thankful hearts, we praise you for your goodness, for your kindness, and we worship you today, our King. As we sing and pray and gather under your word today, please minister to us. We ask, Lord, that you bring us to a deeper understanding and love for you, our God. In Christ's name we pray all this. Amen. to set us free. 
It's always a wonderful privilege when we gather together as God's family and we come and we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And we just sang about the power of the cross, that Christ became sin for us. He bore the wrath of God for us. And through that, through His death, we are forgiven. Let me read from Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3 and to verse 5. But he, sorry, verse 3 onwards. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. That is what we just sang about Jesus Christ bearing the wrath of God for us. And as God's people, we, read a, we need a reminder of that gospel, that good news that Jesus Christ has died on the cross on our behalf. We sang about Jesus going to Calvary. Think about what he went through. But he was pierced for his transgressions, crushed for iniquities. Towards the end of his life, betrayed by his closest disciple, one of his disciples, wrongly captured, falsely accused by the religious, of his, religious leaders of his day, tried by sinful men, designed only to find him guilty, mercilessly flogged, mocked, and then finally crucified like a common criminal. But yet at any point of what he went through, all those things happening to him, all he had to do 
was to say a word and a legion of angels would come and rescue him. But he did not. He went to the cross, held on to that old rugged cross because of his love for us. He did that, endured all that, ultimately died for us to purchase us, to redeem us, so that we can call God our Heavenly Father. And so as we celebrate the Lord's Supper this evening, we remember the words of Jesus as He ate the Last Supper with His disciples. He said He took the bread. After giving thanks, He broke it, gave it to His disciples and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He then took the cup and He said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. As His disciples, that is what we are going to do this evening. Let me pray. Father, we thank You. Thank You for Jesus. We thank You for the power of the cross. That now we stand before You forgiven. As Your disciples, as those who have faith in Jesus. May that gospel message permeate, take root in our hearts. And as we celebrate the Lord's Supper this evening, may you impress upon us once more that gospel promise that you have loved us in Christ by the power of your Spirit. So as we take the bread, as we take the cup this evening, may our faith be strengthened once more. In Jesus' name, Amen. If you're here this evening, you're not a Christian, we ask that you remain seated. Please don't feel any pressure to come and take. But for those of us who call Christ as our Lord and as our Savior, this is an invitation for you to come. Please, uh, first few rows, let me invite you to stand to make your way forward to receive the communion elements. Please hold the bread, hold the cup, and at the end, we will partake of them together.
Let us come and remember that this is the body of Christ given to us. Let's take together. And this is the blood of Christ shed for us. Let's drink together. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for the body and blood of Christ. We thank you for the power of the cross through which we stand forgiven before you. We thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name. Let's continue in our worship to God this evening with the lyrics of this next song. Let's let's glorify him together. Please stand.
power to change is a dynamic organisation that we have a great privilege of uh, being involved with here at Subi Church. In fact, um, John Main, who's the, uh, the boss of them here in Western Australia and has some uh, other duties too in a wider sphere, is part of our organisation, uh, uh, part of our church here as a member. But um, we have had a lot to do with them for a strong period of time. They're mainly involved with the ministry on university campuses in Western Australia, in Australia, and indeed around the world, so it's an international ministry. But it's uh, enough about me and talking about what we do here, but uh, I'm right anyway from um, part of the missions team here, missions committee, and uh, we have three others, but they're not here tonight. One's in Japan, and others are somewhere else, but they'll be here tomorrow. But I have someone more important than that, is uh, Yixin, and uh, she's part of Power to Change. Tell us a bit about it, how long have you been involved with them, and perhaps some of the things that you've been involved with over the last couple of years. Yeah, so um, I first got involved in 2020, so that was when I first came to Australia for uni. Is it on? Yep, yep, you're okay. on. <laughs> um, yeah. So I joined in my first year of uni and I wasn't super involved until I went for um, a mission trip at the end of the year that was to Fremantle. So they call it Somersault Frio and that was life-changing. Um, I will honestly say that if I hadn't gone on that trip, I would not have, um, I guess, the heart for missions that I do today. Um, yeah, and apart from that, um, I've just been involved with them as a student leader for a couple of years during uni. Um, and then after I graduated, I signed on as a volunteer as well. So that's until now. Yeah. So over these last few years then, you've passion for missions and ministry and touching people's hearts with Jesus has increased? Yeah. Yep. Um, what, what, would, what was the main thing that brought that to you? Ah, uh, very long story. <laughs> so um, at first, I'm, I'm a very introverted person. I hate talking to new people. Um, that's like my worst nightmare. And so when I joined the mission trip, it was like a step out of my comfort zone to approach random strangers in public and talk to them. Uh, it sounds very scary, but I felt like the more I kept practicing and doing it, the more I realized, hey, it's actually pretty easy. And honestly, when I thought about it, um, my own discomfort of talking to strangers is kind of less important than actually telling them about God and um, being concerned for their future in eternity. Um, and the more I thought about it, I realized if I know firsthand how amazing it is to have a relationship with God, um, then like, how much more should I overcome my discomfort and you know, share that with other people? So, so over these last few years then, What's the thing that's been um, perhaps the most outstanding thing that you've been involved in that's had some impact upon you and perhaps on someone else? Yeah, uh, very difficult question. There's so many of them. But I think the most significant thing was going to West Asia last year. So this year I'm actually going back, but last year. Um, there's this really, really cool story of how I met a friend there. Um, she's a local uni student at that country. Um, and yeah, we continued staying in touch even after I came to Australia. Um, and during that time, we've grown really, really close um, to the point where she told me 
<laughs> she told me if I ever have kids, then I want you to take care of them. And I was like, oh, I'm honored. Um, yeah, so um, in their culture, religion is something they only discuss with close friends, which is why we focus on building relationships with them first. So we had a conversation about religion and spirituality. She mentioned she was interested in exploring other religions because she was raised as a Muslim. And I said, great, do you know anything at all about Christianity? Um, she said, no, tell me about it. So I did. Um, and then I asked her, have you ever heard of a Bible? Do you know what that is? Do you have access to one? She said, no, um, but she could try to download an app. So I recommended you can start from the Gospel of John and... Uh, yeah, at that time, it was near the beginning of this year, and she was having exams. So I thought maybe she would forget about it in the busyness of exam period. Uh, fast forward to about a month ago, we were catching up, and she actually told me, oh, now I'm more free because I have no more exams, uh, and I can actually read the Bible. I've been waiting. I haven't forgotten. Um, I just want to read it with a clear, focused mind and not like split my attention between exams and the Bible. I said, okay, great. Um, if I do manage to go back to your country this year, do you mind if we do some Bible reading together in person? And she said, yes, of course. Like, she was so happy to do it. And yeah, so that's why I'm really excited to go back this year. Okay, yeah. so you went there last year to West Asia. Yeah, I did. You met some people. Mm -hmm, and you've stayed yeah. in contact with them. Yeah. And, you've, uh, and the relationships developed further. So one of the things you're looking forward to is having the opportunity of going back to the same place yeah. again this year. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so when when's that happen? So we will leave Australia on the 24th of November, and then we will be back just before Christmas. Yeah. Okay, so why is it important for us to go? There's a church already there at this place, in this country, mm -hmm. as, as in many countries around the world. So why it's important for us as Westerners, well, us regarded as Westerners from Australia, to go to this place? Why do they, they see it as important? Um, well, I guess one of the biggest things that we can do is to pray for them because they are under immense pressure from family and friends and especially the government because uh, they are a Muslim-majority nation. Um, yeah, it would be amazing, of course, if you guys can go on a mission trip there with us, but if you can't do that, no worries. Pray for them. That's very, very important. Um, I think prayer is one of the most important things that we can ever do for missions. Um, yeah, so really just do that. Um, and then if you want, if you feel convicted to give financially as well, um, you can, I guess, come and look for me after the service. I'll be hanging around and, yeah, I can show you how you can contribute financially to make this trip happen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, one of the things I think that we talked about the other day was that there is a local church there, but they um, really need some sort of moral support, I guess, if you want to call it that, as well as uh, they don't necessarily need our financial support, them personally, at the moment, but um, for us to go there, it's pretty expensive, as everybody knows these days, travel costs, Qantas hasn't brought the fears down yet, but um, um, yeah, so how can we help? You've already talked about that, pray for you, uh, the possibility of going, and then if we can contribute. As a church, we do have access to some funds that we will be making because we really believe it's a great opportunity for expanding the, the opportunity of ministry out of our local congregation into a, a broader sense as well around the world. So Yishin said she's available to go. Uh, she has some funds, but she needs a fair bit more. So if you think that God's putting on your heart, she has uh, a couple of bits of paper, I think, still, yes, 
to, um, uh, to fill in and, uh, and offer some support if you can. Talk to her afterwards anyway. Anyway, let's, we'd just like to pray, so just pray with us for her. Father, we just pray for Yishin and for the uh, Ministry of Power to Change. We thank you for the organisation that they put into it, the effort that they direct towards ministry in uh, these other places. Lord, the expertise that they have in ministering, particularly to university students, the work that they do here in uh, Perth, amongst the universities here, and then the opportunities that they take that to someplace overseas as well and replicate it there. And Lord, we pray for Yishin as she's looking for a final direction to go uh, and the funding that's needed to support that and for the, uh, your blessing upon it as well, that it will be a great opportunity of bringing your gospel to the people in that country. In Jesus' name, amen. Good evening, church. Scripture at Serbi to start with. Uh, we're memorising a verse of scripture, as you know, as a church family, and uh, we're looking at the attributes of God. You are getting some clues. There you go. So hopefully you... It's the last... It's the end of September, so hopefully some of it's in our brain cells now. Here we go. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. God created everything, and he deserves glory and honour. Kids, you're off to your Subi kids' classes. Hi, my name is Wayne Luce. I'm one of the elders here at Subi Church. While the kids are dashing out, you can grab your piece of paper and write on the Connect card, or you can go electronic. I should see a QR code in front of you and lots of other ways to do that, so please fill it in. That would be fantastic. We can pray for you as a church leadership and uh, helps us to know what's happening. We also could do offering. As you know, you can do it electronically. We've done that for a while now, but you can also do it physically in the, um, in the box on the way out near the, near the exit doors. So um, my verse, one of the verses I read today was one of my, um, my devotion. It was from 2 Corinthians 9. That's where Paul encourages us to be generous givers. So that was a good lead-in for our offering this evening. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are a generous God. We've sung about and we've reflected on your gift to us of, through Jesus. We thank you that you are generous, gracious, loving and kind to us. We pray, Father, that you would help us to be generous in giving back to your, your kingdom. We pray for the money today. May it be used to spread the good news that we've just heard about as well in Perth and uh, across the world, in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a few announcements for you. Uh, many of you should know Sharani, who leads lots of um, prayer ministry here at Subi. She is leading a prayer walk at Kings Park this coming Thursday, 5th of October. So uh, they're going to gather around the grass area at the Flame of Remembrance, and at 2.15pm they'll be off doing a prayer walk around Kings Park. So you can contact Sharani, you can see her email there, or you can put it on the Connect card, and I'm sure we can connect you with her. Next Saturday morning is the Community Coffee Morning. So monthly event, as you know, you are most welcome to join us on Saturday morning, 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock, or in the cafe, plus on the street, cooking some sausages. 
So come along, see what we're up to. Uh, it's a good way for us to connect with people that are coming past, especially those going to the market. All right, on Saturday, sorry, Sunday, the 15th of October, there's this Subi Equip for Families. Subi Equip is running a workshop for families on how to talk about sex and gender to your children, led by Pastor Chin. It is aimed at families with primary school age children. We will focus on the simple truths of the scriptures and learn how we can articulate and talk to our children about these things. A light lunch will be provided for families. Please, no childcare is provided, but please RSVP via the Connect card. And uh, talking about Chin, unfortunately he is leaving our, as a Subi church pastor here um, in November, but we want to make sure that he remembers us and uh, you can contribute by sending in your messages and photos, uh, give thanks. Uh, for him and his ministry here. You can email in by the 15th of October, which is the same day we just talked about. There's the address, but if you would prefer to do it in paper, there's also a hard copy or handwritten messages. There's a book in the Subi Kids reception area. So send in your photos, send in your thanks. Okay, let's pray together as a church. Heavenly Father, our good and perfect God, you alone are worthy of our praise. We thank you that we can approach your throne of grace because of what you have done for us in Jesus. In your grace and mercy, you have given us the most precious gift of all, forgiveness of sins and salvation and life through Christ. Lord, the world is yours and everything in it. You are the one who has created this world and each one of us. You marked the foundations of the earth and set the heavens in place at the very beginning. It is by your grace and power that you sustain this world each and every day, giving life to it all that it is in it, and making the sun rise anew each morning. You are worthy of all praise, and there is nothing more precious than to know you and your ways. Lord, we bring before you those who are experiencing health issues. Many of us are currently unwell, or have been with sickness for an extended period of time. We pray that they would lean on you and keep trusting in you. We pray that they receive quality care and treatment, that they would recover soon. We recognise that our earthly bodies are a reminder there is a hope of a future to come when sickness and pain will be no more. Help us to turn to you for our strength and joy, for you alone are our, our unshakable hope. Please also be with family members and friends who are walking this journey with their loved ones and supporting them. Please sustain them and strengthen them. Would you minister to them and may they feel your presence, especially during this difficult time. Lord, we pray for Subi Church, that you would direct and guide us as a church. We pray that your hand of protection over us. Please help the elders as they make important decisions for the future of this church. We pray you'd give them wisdom. We pray, Father, for your provision for your people here. We pray for the youth and young adults pastor. We pray, Father, for your provision in Jesus' name. Father, please be with Pastor Chin as he preaches your word today. Prepare us to hear from you and help us to desire only wisdom that is yours and not what the world deems of value. Soften our hearts, unplug our ears from any distractions and ready our hands to glorify you in all we do. In your son's precious name we pray these things. Amen.
In our sermon today, we will be looking at God's wisdom from Proverbs 8. That is why our Bible readings today are taken from two passages focusing on the theme of God's wisdom. The first is 1 Kings 3, verses 3 to 14. The second is from Colossians 2, 1 to 4. In 1 Kings 3, we read about King Solomon becoming the wisest king on earth. In Colossians 2, we read Jesus being the perfect embodiment of God's wisdom and knowledge to us. 1 Kings 3, 3-14 Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, God, my, uh, my, <clears throat> my, now Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too nu numerous to count or number, so give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and dis to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Verse 10. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will be never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David did, your I will give you a long life. Colossians 2 verses 1 to 4. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom we have, who are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this, so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Well, good evening, everyone. Good to be with you. In case you, uh, you don't know me, my name is Chin. I'm one of the pastors at Subi Church. Great to be with you once more to bring God's Word to you, and I hope and pray that um, all of you enjoyed our celebration of the 125th anniversary. Uh, hopefully you were here for the dinner. It was 
a fantastic weekend. It was great encouragement for me to see, you know, the Subi Church family. We gather, we celebrate how good and faithful God has been to us uh, throughout the centuries. And I pray that you met somebody new, and I pray that you continue to strengthen those relationships uh, that you have in the church. Now, I came across a question that someone asked online recently, a few weeks back. And this question that this person asked was, or went something like this. What is the happiest or the best five-word sentence that you could hear? So there were a bunch of questions, a bunch of answers from different people. One of the answers is this. You just won the lottery. Right? That, those five words can definitely change the life of a person or her family, isn't it? So, you know, on October 27, 2022, we have the Lottery West Powerball that jackpot reached a high of $160 million. A lot. And imagine someone winning, winning that jackpot and the kind of lifestyle the person can have after that. Or imagine yourself winning that jackpot and you have that kind of money. How should it or how would you change your life with that? How would you spend that kind of money and how do you think it will change your life? And you would imagine with that kind of winning, with that kind of riches, that that kind of winning will definitely change a person's life, isn't it? For many people, they would imagine that it will just change their lives for the better because, well, now there's no lack of money to constrain them to do whatever they like. What is the wise thing to do in this case? Is being rich a necessarily a good thing? Especially when it's not from any effort of your own. Well, the book of Proverbs has many things to take, tell us about wealth, tell us about riches, and tell, many things to tell us about wisdom. So as you heard, we are looking at Proverbs chapter 8. Now, Proverbs is a book that is widely understood to be written by King Solomon. And as we heard from our Bible reading, we have King Solomon, God approaching King Solomon and asking Solomon, ask me anything and I will give you whatever you ask. That's an amazing thing for God to say to King Solomon. So he could ask God for anything. And he could easily ask for riches. He could easily ask for more wealth. Solomon did not. Instead, he asked for wisdom. Wisdom to rule over God's people. And so he became known as the wisest man on earth. Even Queen Sheba from a nation in the south came to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And so he wrote Proverbs. And so it is important that we read what he wrote down to learn from him. Now, it is important as we read Proverbs, this promise is not meant to be read like a law code. It is not law. Proverbs is not meant to be read in that way. It's different. Right? It's more like wisdom sayings, very much like the wisdom sayings of our day. Right? For example, one of the wisdom sayings of our day is, an apple a day keeps the doctor away, isn't it? It's not meant to be taken literally in that case, but the idea, the principle behind that is that if you take care of your health on a regular basis, eat healthily, then we generally have a healthy life. That's the idea, the principle behind it. Same thing with the sayings in Proverbs. All right? it, is not, it is more than that. Uh, Proverbs operate in the same way. So we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 8. 
And in chapter 8, what we have is wisdom being personified. Personified as what we call lady wisdom. It is a rhetorical method used to bring a point across. So keep that in mind as I read from Proverbs chapter 8. Lady wisdom, the personification of wisdom, speaking to us. So I'm going to read that um, chapter. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 8. And this time, one of the things I'm going to get you to do as I read through Proverbs chapter 8, at the end of it from verse 32 all the way to 36, I want us to read that passage together. All right? It's going to be on the screen. It's going to be bolded. But I want us to read it together because it is a wonderful call to all of us as God's people. Let me invite you to stand as I read from Proverbs chapter 8. I will start by reading and then I'll um, cue us in towards the end. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? At the highest point along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gate leading into the city, at the entrance, she cries aloud. To you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are upright to those who have found knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear Yahweh is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight. I have power. By me, kings reign and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, princes govern and nobles all who rule on earth. I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I use surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the path of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me, making their treasuries full. Yahweh brought me forth as, first, as the first of his works, before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there are no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the world or this fields or any of the dust of the earth, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundaries so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. And this is why we read together, verse 32 onwards. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. You may be seated.
Sam, could you turn down the fall back on the stage? It's a little bit loud on here. Thank you. So three points we can see. Point number one is from verses 1 to 11. Wisdom calls out to us. Wisdom calls out to us, verses 1 to 11. Now immediately as we read verse 1, we see this is the personification of wisdom. She stands at the highest point along the way where the paths meet, and she calls out to everyone there, right? She's at the most visible place. People can see her. She's standing there where there's most traffic, where the roads meet together, entering into the city. Right? The idea is wisdom is there where everyone can see her, where she's able to address everyone. And she calls out, to you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. So wisdom is not hard to find or hard for us to see. She's standing at the place where everybody will walk through, you know, where people are entering and exiting the city. This is a path where, in some sense, everyone will walk. Wisdom calls out to us as we walk in our daily lives, lives that we all live. Wisdom calls out to us. And, he, and she calls out to all mankind. It's not just limited to Christians, to all mankind. Right? Wisdom is for all of us here. If you are a Christian here, wisdom is calling out to you. If you're not a Christian here, wisdom is calling out to you. And the question is, do you desire wisdom? Now, of course, on the surface, when I ask a question like that, of course, yeah, of course we desire wisdom. Well, I ask the question because sometimes it's easy for us to say, yes, we do desire wisdom. But yet in our day-to-day -day lives, we are tempted to take shortcuts in so many things, and in doing that, we don't gain any wisdom. Right? So many things in our world have taught us to crave instant gratification, to skip the messy parts of life. But as you know, as those of us who are experienced enough know, it is oftentimes in this messy part of life that we learn wisdom and we gain experience. And look at what wisdom offers us in verse 6 onwards. She has trustworthy things to say. She speaks of what is right, what is true. She detests wickedness. Her words are just. She has knowledge. She has all these things to offer us, and they are good for us. That's why Lady Wisdom calls out to us. She wants us to listen to her. Come, listen to my instructions. Choose my instructions instead of silver. Choose my knowledge instead of gold. Wisdom is more precious than any rubies or any riches in our world today. What is the point of having riches but, if, but you lack wisdom? And that's a repeated command throughout Proverbs, to desire and get wisdom. Let me list out a few of them. Proverbs 4, 5, get wisdom, get understanding, do not forget my words or turn away from them. Proverbs 13, verse 13 to 15, Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she's more profitable than silver, use a better return than gold, more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with this. Proverbs 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver. Wisdom is more precious than gold or silver. And remember the lottery example I gave at the start. Did you know that many lottery winners, they actually don't have a good ending? Let me give you an example. This is Jack Whitaker from West Virginia in the United States. At that point, he's already a 
relatively wealthy man. And his net worth at that point, before he won the lottery, was about $17 million. So he was a relatively wealthy man. But he did win that lottery, and he won, at that point, was what was the single largest jackpot in U.S. history, $315 million. He chose to have it in cash, so that ends up about $117 million. And after taxes, he eventually received about $113 million. And he promised to live as if nothing has changed. But unfortunately, that was not the case because everything changed for him. What happened was that there were financial agents that would stalk him at his regular breakfast joint, and they would badger him with suggestions on how to spend his money. There are constant requests for him for money from charities, from family members, from friends. And when he did not give in to their requests, he was accused of being heartless and cold and stingy. His wife left him. His 17-year-old granddaughter apparently died from a drug overdose. He had lawsuits because of the, the lottery that he had. And all throughout the tragedy, all throughout these tragedies, he was quoted several times as saying he wished he had just torn up the lottery ticket. Riches and wealth, they don't guarantee a good life. It doesn't guarantee that you'll flourish in this world. And the choice gold and the rubies that's talked about here also refers to life good things for us. It's not just about material wealth, right? You may have beauty, you may have status, you may have pleasure in your life, but wisdom is greater and more precious than all of them. Those things don't guarantee that we will flourish in this world. That's why wisdom is more precious than anything else in our world. Wisdom calls out to us. Wisdom calls out to us. Choose my instruction. Be wise. Listen to Lady Wisdom. Then she goes on. This is where we come to point number two. Point number two is this. Wisdom teaches us to flourish in God's world. Wisdom teaches us to flourish in God's world. Verses 12 to 21. And here we get a little bit more information about what wisdom is. Verses 12 to 14, she says, I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge, discretion. To fear Yahweh is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech, counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have, it. I have insight. I have power. So there's a bunch of different words connected, associated with wisdom. So she dwells together with prudence. She has knowledge. She has, she has discretion. She has counsel, she has sound judgment and insight. And this is where, for the first time in this chapter, we see the mention about the relationship between Yahweh, between the God of the Bible, and wisdom. It's not the first time in the book, of course. Chapter 1, verse 7, The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And fearing Yahweh here is not being afraid of God in that way, it's more about reverence and awe and respect. The beginning of knowledge is knowing, revering, respecting Yahweh as the God of the universe. And in other words, part of what wisdom means is that we recognize this world that we live in, this is God's world. He is the one who created it. And if you know this is God's world, then Part of what wisdom means is uh, it's also about hating evil and pride and arrogance and evil behavior and perverse speech. 
And that means wisdom here is more than just intellectual knowledge and how to apply it. It's more than that. True wisdom is grounded upon a relationship with God of the universe. And it is from this relationship that we have, and we take the knowledge that we have of this God, and we apply it as we live our lives. One pastor puts it this way in a sermon. He said, wisdom is being, you know, being a well-rounded person who can flourish in the world, who knows how to think and act and choose and live well and righteously before God. Right, it's this understanding that this world is the world that God has created, and we take the knowledge that we have and apply it as we live our lives. And that's why in verse 15 onwards, that even kings and rulers, they need wisdom to rule. Verse 15, By me kings reign and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me princes govern and nobles all who rule on earth. Leaders in our world, they need wisdom to lead and govern well. When our leaders and politicians or leaders of any organization, when they lead with wisdom, understanding this world is God's world, when they lead well, everyone benefits. Because there will be blessing. We are blessed. People flourish. That is what leaders are supposed to be doing, isn't it? Leaders don't lead for their own benefit. They lead with wisdom so that the people that they're leading will flourish, will be blessed. And as the people are blessed and flourish, the leaders are blessed and flourish. And that's why wise leaders, what they will have is knowledge and discretion and counsel and sound judgment and insight and prudence. But most importantly, all of those attributes are built upon the relationship with the God of the universe who knows and created all things. Wisdom teaches us how to flourish in God's world. Teaches leaders how to lead others to flourish in God's world. Look at verse 18. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. The fruit that comes from wisdom, the result of wisdom, is better than fine gold and surpasses choice silver. True wisdom built upon reverence to Yahweh, reverence to God, that, walks, that will walk in a way of righteousness, they will walk along the paths of justice, it will bestow rich inheritance on those who love wisdom, who will have their treasuries full. Wisdom teaches us to live and flourish in God's world. Because then we live in a way that God intended us to live. For example, let me give you an example. Many books have been written on the idea of servant leadership over the past decades for organizations and companies with research saying that employees in these companies with servant leadership, they are more likely to work at the best of their abilities. Well, where do you think that idea came from? Another example, look at the headline in this uh, news article. Right? It says, religion may be the miracle drug. Church attendance is correlated with longer life and a sense of meaning. My first few paragraphs, let me read that. This is what the, the news article says. If one could conceive of a single elixir to improve physical and mental health of millions of Americans at no personal cost, what value would our society place on it? Going a step further, if research quite conclusively showed that when consumed just once a week, 
this concoction would reduce mortality by 20 to 30% over a 15-year period. How urgently would we want to make it publicly available? The good news is this miracle drug, religion, and more specifically, regular church attendance is already in reach of most Americans. Now, as you can tell, this is not written by Christians. And they are acknowledging that, but they are acknowledging that their research showing the benefits of regular church attendance. You are 20 to 30% more likely to live a bit longer by being here. But of course, we don't come to church because we want to live longer. That's not the point. But the point is our reverence and fear of God as we understand, as we live in our world, understanding this is how God designed the world, that benefits us, that gives us blessing. We flourish from it. That's one example of it. Wisdom teaches us how to flourish in God's world. Let's go on to our third point. Wisdom is weaved into God's creation as part of God's good design. Wisdom is weaved into God's creation as part of God's good design. That's from verses 22 to 31. And remember, this is wisdom speaking, the personification of wisdom speaking, right? Lady Wisdom. And here we find that she was there at the beginning of creation. Before anything has been created, she was there. Before the watery depths, before the mountains, before the hills, before God made anything in the world, she was there. And when God set the heavens in place, wisdom was there. Lady Wisdom was constantly at God's side as He placed the va- created the various aspects of our world. And the idea here is that wisdom was there when God created the world. It's a poetic way of saying, remember this is personification of wisdom, poetic way of saying God weaved wisdom into the creation of His world. God crafted, designed this world with His plan, with His um, planning. Wisdom is God's good design for our world. Creation was not made haphazardly. Did not happen by chance. He created all things, weaved his wisdom into every aspect to our world. There is an order to our world, planned by God. Look at verse 30. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. Now, if you're familiar with Genesis 1, you will immediately sense a pattern there. God made the land and seas, and he saw that it was good. God made the vegetations on the land, and he saw that it was good. God made the sun and the moon and the stars, and he saw that it was good. God made the different animals and saw that it was good. Lady Wisdom says, I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing in the whole world and delighting in mankind. And God made mankind in his own image, male and female, he made them on day six. And he saw that all that he had made, and it was very good. Wisdom is weaved into God's creation as part of his design. Having wisdom, then part of what that means is understanding how God has made our world, to think God's thought after him, to see the world as God sees the world and then using that knowledge and applying that knowledge as we live our lives. 
is for us to see this world as meticulously planned and created by God. That means it changes the way we approach the sciences or changes anything that we will be learning about this world. Because as we do science, as we learn more things about this world, what we are doing is not gaining mere intellectual knowledge. If God is the one who made this world and He's the one who crafted it, as we do science, good science, what we're essentially doing is studying and knowing how God designed this world to be. In other words, we are studying God's design for the world. Good science and good studies then is giving us a glimpse into the mind of God as He created this world with wisdom, with order. There's a physical order in our world. And if we obey that physical order, we will flourish. And if we ignore God's design for the physical order of our world, there will be disaster. Right? God created our world with gravity. If we ignore gravity, thinking that we can jump off a building and fly, that will not end well for you. But if we understand gravity and how it works, use that for our advantage, we can build great machines that help us flourish. But God did not just use wisdom to create our physical world with order. He also weaved order with wisdom into our moral world. There is a moral order in our world, just like how there's a physical order. And in the same way, disaster strikes when we ignore the physical order. There will be a disaster when we ignore the moral order of our world. If we don't pay attention to how God has designed us to be, if we ignore that, it brings pain and suffering. And the rest of Proverbs is filled with lists like that. If you don't work hard, if you live a life of lies, if you are without love, if you are without honor, if you are basically ignoring what God has designed you to be or designed human beings to be, well, that's pain and misery. If we ignore building relationships with one another, or if we ignore how God has designed our bodies to be by doing whatever we want with our bodies, well, then we face isolation, we face suffering and pain. But ignoring God's good design, wise design for us, we are being foolish because we are only harming ourselves. Verse 36, But those who fail to find me, wisdom, harm themselves. All who hate me love death. But if we understand how God has designed us to be, if we build strong relationships with one another amongst our families, amongst our neighborhood, amongst our brothers and sisters in Christ, then we will live in a great society, a great community where people love and trust one another. We all flourish in God's world. Wisdom is weaved into God's creation as part of God's good design for us. And so wisdom calls out to us because it's more precious than any riches in our world. Wisdom teaches us that how to flourish in God's world because it is built upon our reverence to God, a reverence to the God who made this world. And we understand and we see wisdom that's weaved into this creation as His good design for us. And that's why towards the end of the chapter, verse 32 onwards, there is a call for all of us. Let me read that again from verse 32. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. 
Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway for those who find me, find life, and receive favor from Yahweh. And from our Bible reading, we saw that Solomon was the wisest man on earth. When God asked him what he wanted, he asked for wisdom, he asked for discretion, and he received all that, and he wrote Proverbs to pass on to others what he learned. He was so wise that other rulers came to him to seek counsel. Right, First Kings chapter 10, Queen Sheba arrived, visited Solomon, and she was overwhelmed by his wisdom. He was a wise man. But unfortunately, he was a wise man that was still seduced and tempted by sin. And he gave into that temptation. And he lost his kingdom as a result. But a thousand, about a thousand years later, we have Solomon's great son, Jesus Christ. And there he spoke to the crowds, gathered around him, and he said in Luke chapter 11, verse 31, the queen of the south will rise to the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. And he is talking about himself. Greater and wiser than Solomon's wisdom. In fact, he embodied God's wisdom. Wisdom calls out to us. Christ calls out to us because he's more precious than any riches in our world. Wisdom teaches us to flourish in God's world. Christ teaches us to flourish in God's world because true reverence to God is only possible through Jesus. Wisdom is weaved into God's creation as part of his good design. Christ is the one who weaved wisdom and design into God's creation because he, he is God's agent of creation. Jesus is God's wisdom in the flesh. You see, wisdom is more of a who than a what. Right? God's true wisdom is not about learning a bunch of wise sayings and then merely doing it. True wisdom is about, true wisdom is in God, is about establishing a relationship with Him through Jesus Christ and letting Christ's wisdom rule in our lives. True wisdom is a Christ empower life through the power of the Spirit that lives for the glory of God. Without Jesus, there's no true wisdom. Listen to what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 1.30. It is because of Him, God, that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. And notice what that is. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. And so let me turn back to Proverbs chapter 8. Let me read from verse 32 onwards again. But this time as I read it, this is Jesus speaking to us. Listen and read this as Jesus speaking to us. Proverbs 8, chap chapter 8, verse 32. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instructions and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me, find life and receive favor from Yahweh, our Father in heaven. And so wisdom 
is calling out to all of us. Christ is calling out to all of us. And so as his people, let us respond by seeking him. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, who is our wisdom. True wisdom, un- through him that where we can understand and see how you have made this world, how you have made who we are, and how you have adopted us into your family. We praise you for that. And now as your people, help us to seek Jesus. Seek him through the power of the Spirit. Seek him through the words that you have given us in the scriptures so that we can be wise. We can have counsel and knowledge to live and flourish in this world you created. And so we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, who have sent Jesus to reveal to us true wisdom from heaven. In his name we pray. Shall we stand? Let's continue to look to God, look to Christ as we finish with our last song.
Christ about to be our vision, isn't it? When we look to Him and He teaches us and He lets us know about God's wisdom in Him. If you're here this evening and you need prayer, feel free to come to the front. I'll be happy to pray with and for you. Let me finish our time together with this benediction from God. May God the Father, who has made Christ our wisdom in Him, may He continue to bless us with great wisdom through the power of His Spirit as we live for Him in this world. To Him be all glory forever. Amen.